Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> My name's Steve, and I'm standing in for miles. And it's nice to be here. His family um, has got COVID, and so I'm standing in literally at the last minute. As I prayed and asked God what to um, do, I didn't particularly feel to carry on with the uh, John series, so I'm going to do something totally different. I'm going to speak from a psalm. So I'd like you to turn to Psalm, uh, psalm 55. <clears throat> to the choir master with stringed instruments, a mascal of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I'm restless, and in my complaint I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, the terrors of death have fallen upon me, fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Has anybody ever felt that? I wish I had the wings of a dove, I'd just get out of it. That's exactly how David felt. Oh, for the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away, I would lodge in the wilderness, I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its, master, from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, an equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to shield alive. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan. And he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me, and God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change, they do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was as smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O oh God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I, I will trust in you. I've found in life that there are three burdens people can carry. And David in this psalm says, cast your burden on the Lord. 
there are three burdens which people can carry. Number one, there is the burden which is common to man, of mankind. We all live in a fallen world where there's trouble and strife. We face the news every day. Wars and rumors of wars. You think, again, I go to bed each night, I say, God, please have your hand on Ukraine and all of that trouble out there, please. And uh, have your hand, have mercy. I was, had the privilege of visiting Ukraine just when I left Australia. I went to Ukraine, preached in some churches there, and also met Russian pastors as well. And no wonderful Christians on both sides. You go, God, please have mercy. Let people find you at this hour like never before. We live in a fallen world. We live in a, a world where people have to deal with illness and, and corruption and deceit. We live with it daily, daily, daily. It's not, um, as Christians, we're not exempt from it. We all face it every single day of our lives. It's a burden of living in a fallen world which we all live in. Then secondly, there's what I would call the burdens of the Lord. But Paul said, said when he lists in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, he lists all of the burdens. He said, I was beaten with 39 lashes from the Jews four times. I was shipwrecked day and night, hunger and thirsting. And then he goes on after listing all of his troubles. You think, wow. Then he says, on top of that, there's the daily burden of all the churches. Of all the churches, he's carrying all the pastoral problems, all the struggles and everything, trying to get things off the ground. He's, he's trying to carry that. I found when I became a Christian, I found that I suddenly started to carry burdens. You would be the same. I found that I started to feel burdened about my friends getting saved into the kingdom of God. I started to be burdened about my father. I started to be concerned about my sister. I found I was burdened for my friends. I started to pray for them. I'd never done that in my life. And suddenly we're carrying the very heart of God, the burden of God in our souls because that's what God does. He puts his burdens on us so that we carry them and pray them back to him. And we, kept, we pray for our friends and our neighbors. I've been burdened by my neighbor who was who's sadly ill with cancer. We found that last time we came out here. We pray with him. He's become a Christian. We've been praying with him. We're going to pray with him when we get back. We pray with several of our neighbors. But there, there are burdens which we carry for other people. There are the burdens of the Lord. But there's another burden which we can carry, which is probably the hardest burden of all. Maybe you're just struggling with the burdens of life, like a lot of people at the moment. Unemployment, COVID, the wars, all the rest of it. We're all coping with that. But there's another burden, which is the hardest burden of all to bear, and that's exactly what David was bearing. And it is a burden of your own making. Your own making. And David... When he was king, we know that David had a problem with women. Because when a king became king, he was not allowed to multiply gold. He was not allowed to multiply horses and chariots. He was not allowed to multiply wives. We find that the gold he gave to God, the horses he hamstrung, but we read of David, he took more wives to himself. And one day while his men were out at battle, he saw a woman bathing. Now, Archie Kendall says this, he said of, of Bathsheba, he said, she was not beautiful, she was very beautiful. And she knew exactly what she was doing, having a shower outside of the king's 
palace where he was day by day. And she had a part to play in it, I believe. But David saw her, thought her husband's on the battlefield, bring her, he committed adultery with her. And as you know, he then called her husband home. It was found she was with child. He called her husband home, made him sleep on the, on the doormat. He said, go, to, go and stay with your wife for the night. You know, it'll all be covered up. But he refused to do that. In the end, David plotted to have him killed. He committed adultery. He murdered. He lied. And in the end, in the end, when her husband is dead, so David goes and he marries this poor lady, Bathsheba. And the whole nation thinks, what a kind man David is. And oh, by the way, he's married Bathsheba. And oh, by the way, she's found to be having a little baby. How lovely for the couple. But what he didn't realize is that God knew exactly what had happened. And he sent a prophet called Nathan, knocked on his door. He said, I want to tell you a story, David. He said, there was a rich man, a king, who had all the lambs in the world, had all the money in the world he could do what he liked with. And there was one poor man down the road who had just one little lamb. That's, he used to look after this lamb and cuddle this lamb and feed this lamb. It was all he had. It was all he had. And one day a traveler came by and David said to the traveler, stop and we have a barbecue. He went to the home of the poor man. He took his lamb and he put the lamb on the barbecue. David said, who is this man? I'll kill him. And Nathan the prophet says, it's you. You are the man. You are the man. You see, when we live in sin, it's very easy to see problems in other people. And David was having... Problems in his own life, and yet he could see, who's this person? I'll kill him. And Nathan says, you're the problem. You're the problem. And he said, what's going to happen is from your own family, there's going to be a war in your own family. Absalom would arise. And he will drive you out of the kingdom. And what you did in public, what you did in private, God's going to do in public. And Absalom came in, he drove his father out of the palace, he drew a conspiracy, gathered people to him, even Ahithpoel, who was David's chief advisor, swapped sides and went over to Absalom. And Absalom got all of David's concubines, set up a tent on the palace roof, and went in and had sex with them. So what David did in secret, Absalom was now doing in broad daylight for the whole nation and the whole world, and for you and me to see. And in this story, Psalm 55, it is David, King David, who slew Goliath, is now running away from his own son with a burden which he cannot bear because he knows that he's brought trouble on his own household. He knows he's brought it on his own life. My question to you is this, is there any hope for a person like that? Is there any hope anywhere for a person who does that sort of thing? I'm so glad that the Bible doesn't end halfway through. I'm so glad that the Bible tells us 
the gore as well, and it does, but that's not where it ends. I'm so glad that the Bible tells us the whole picture. And David says, he teaches us out of this. He says, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Oh, there is hope, my friend. There is clearly hope. If there was not hope, then I would not be standing here today, and neither would you. We're only here because of the hope which we have found in the Lord Jesus. We've all messed up. We've all done things wrong. We've all made a terrible mess. And God has had amazing compassion and mercy. There is hope. There is hope. But it will always involve this. It will never be a cheap fix. Never. It will always involve repentance. It will always involve honesty and it will always involve total humility and if we really really want to get right with God that is what it will cost honesty openness humility and repentance and it is God who sees our hearts and David's heart has been laid bare God's exposed it to the nation to the world to us in Australia Sydney today this is what he did. Here it is. Your sin will find you out. He's found out. The burden. Secondly, the cast. Cast your burden. Cast your burden. And we realize how do we do that? How do you cast a burden? Well, you cast the burden in prayer. And we find in verse 1, we find that David's crying out and he's saying, Give ear to my prayer, O God. Do not hide yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. And then in verse 16, he says, But I call out to God, to the Lord who will save me evening and morning and noon. I utter my complaint and I moan, and he hears my voice. Sometimes we need to get away for a day of prayer and fasting. Sometimes we need to take a week to pray and seek God and say, I'm going to get through on this issue if it kills me. I know um, a preacher who came out here, a friend of mine, I meet with him every week to pray, it's Terry Virgo, and he came out here and they wanted to move house. And they were having problem after problem after problem. And one minute they'd agree to sell, then it fell through, then they'd sort of this, then they wanted more money, then it kept... And in England it's like that. It's not like that in Australia. You make a deal and it goes through, hopefully. But in England you can get messed around a lot. And in the end he, he, he said he went away and he spent the day praying and calling out to God. It was like a burden on him. And he cried out to God in prayer and he said, I knew it was done. He went home to his wife, Wendy, and she said, what about this? He said, it's all right, it's done, sorted. She looked at him, she said, I know it's sorted. And you find that you get things in prayer. When you're alone with God, you cry out, you get your burden, and you, you, there is a time in prayer where you know that God has heard it. You know that you've passed it over. And this is what happens. We have, a, we have to cast our burden on the Lord. We cast our burden on the Lord, not on each other. A lot of people cast it on someone else. 
tell everybody else about it. No, no, no. We have to cast it on the Lord. And some people get their burden and say, oh God, please will you help me with this problem? Please, I can, do you know this problem I've got? Please, will you help me? It's been, it's been on my mind for a long time, Lord, and I'm praying about this problem. It doesn't ever seem to go away. It's with me day and night. It never goes away. And what we need to do, we need to, and the word cast means to hurl, to throw, to get rid of. We need to cast. But, ah! <laughs> That's where the bang came from. <laughs> we need, it's come back to me. <laughs> You hold on to it, Gary. <laughs> we, need, we need to hurl, cast, get rid of it until we know that we've discharged it. So we're not playing around with it day and night. We actually get hold of it and hurl. And that's what the word cast means. I was um, down at, is it Chinaman's Beach nearby? Chinaman's Beach the other day, and there was a guy fishing, and um, he had, he had two fishing rods, and he got a bite on both at the same time, and I grabbed one line. But then he, he, um, he reeled it in, he's got this weight, and um, you watch him cast, and he, as he casts, he's, he's got this big ledger weight, and he's <laughs> plop. And that's what we have to do with our, our burden, say, right, I'm going to spend a day praying and fasting. This is driving me mad. I'm going to get hold of this. I've made a mess. Yes, I've made a mess. But I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to sort it out. And I'm going to deal with it here once and for all. And we get the burden and we say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this. Have mercy on me. I'll touch on that in a minute. And we hurl it onto the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord. <clears throat> it's a bit like the woman of Thebes. Do you know the woman of Thebes? In um, Judges chapter, chapter 9, 50, when Abimelech were driving against the people of God, that she ran into a tower, into a tall tower. She climbed to the top of the tower, this strong tower, and on top of the tower, there was a millstone. And the king Abimelech came to the bottom. They were going to set fire. What they did, they, they would light a fire around the towers or inside the towers so that it would burn the people to death or starve them to death. And, and this woman, there's a millstone it talks about the woman of Thebes. It's the only line in the Bible about the woman of Thebes. And here she is. She's got this millstone. And she, she, she's heaving. If you picked up a millstone, it's, it's heavy. <laughs> and she's heaving this millstone. And suddenly, woof, the millstone goes. And it falls on top of the king's head and kills him. And that's the end of the battle. The woman of Thebes. Way. Be a woman of Thebes, eh? Be a fisherman of the beach. Cast your burden on the Lord. Not on everybody else. Cast your burden on the Lord. Now my question is this. That what was the essence of his burden? What was the essence of his prayer? His prayer was this. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Do not hide your self from my plea for mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Where would Steve Brading be today without the mercy of God? Where would any of us be today without the mercy of God? I would be in a total and utter mess 
and it's the mercy. In fact, if we want to read in detail of David's confession, it's in Psalm 51 where he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Get rid of them. And he's crying to God for mercy. Do you know this? That it's almost the prayer which God cannot resist when we cry out for mercy we cry out for mercy. Jesus told a story. In fact, Luke 18 is a brilliant passage on, on mercy. I'll give you two examples. Jesus told us a story. He said, um, he said there was a, a Pharisee and there was a, a, there was a sinner. And the Pharisee went into the temple. He says, I thank you, God, I'm not like that sinner over there. I fast twice a week and I give my money and I go to the temple and I do all this. And the Pharisee went and he just... <laughs> He said, Jesus said this, he wouldn't even lift up his head. He just beat his breast. He said, God have mercy on me, I'm just a sinner. And Jesus said, which prayer do you think the Father heard? The one who asked for mercy, yes, exactly, you've got it. And then, it, and, and so he tells this story to the disciples in Luke 18. Luke 18, later on, they're on their way to Jericho. And suddenly there's a blind man, Bartimaeus, who's been there for years, and he's crying out because he hears Jesus coming. He's blind. Jesus! Jesus, son of David! We've heard of the miracles you're doing. Jesus, son of David! And the crowds and his disciples say, shut up, he doesn't want to listen to you. He's got, he's got important people to see. But Bartimaeus, all the more, he cries out and he says, Jesus, son of David, he cries this, have mercy on me. And it's the cry which stopped Jesus in his tracks. He turned. Have mercy, mercy. And it tugged at the heartstrings of God. Whenever, Kerry, we ask for mercy from God, we directly touch the very nerve center of his very being. I'm so glad the Bible tells us that he is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. And we who were dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, when, when we were dead, we were slaves of the devil. When we were enthroned or in gripped, enslaved with sin. When we were dead. When we were dead. Not partially alive, we were like a corpse in trespasses and sins. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. Can anyone say hallelujah? It's the mercy of God. Where would I be without the mercy of God? And where would you be without the mercy of God? And David, who's got himself into a total and utter mess, his cry is, oh God... I'm asking, please, have mercy, have mercy. And it touches the nerve centers of the heart of God. And so will you touch the nerve centers of God's heart when you say, Lord, please, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. <coughs> He's casting his burden on the Lord not on everybody else. Cast your burden on the Lord 
the burden, the cost, the promise is this. And he will sustain you. What does that mean? He will give you strength. He will fortify. He will give an energy in, inside you to keep going. When I first became a Christian, I thought, I'm not sure that I can keep this up all my life. Trying to be good and nice and all that sort of stuff, I don't know that it's really me. I thought, I don't think I can do it. And then I found out that actually, I don't have to keep anything up. I found it's not me holding on to God, it's Him holding on to me. And I found actually He's the one who's holding on to me. <laughs> he holds on to us. And I find that the grace of God, my trouble is I try and work out what's going to happen tomorrow in a week's time. My mind's very active. I, what's going to happen? And, and God says, no, he's only going to give me grace for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. We're grace for today. Yeah, but, but no, grace for today. Then tomorrow comes, you find you've got grace for that day. And then the next day, you're, oh, grace for that day. And then that day. And then that day. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will fortify you. <laughs> he will strengthen you. There's no question in my mind that David had a problem with women. He found the, t the pretty girls too much of a temptation for him. And this really found him out. And he cries out to God. And God promises to sustain him, to strengthen him. And we know that God does strengthen him and sustain him because we find this in the Bible. When David's an old man and he's dying, that they find the most beautiful girl in the land. I'm going from memory here. You can tell me her name. I think it's Abishag. They find Abishag and they put her in a bed with David to keep him warm. And the Bible tells us David never touched her. He'd learned his lesson God had given him strength, sustained him, and he'll sustain you day by day by day by day. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous, those who know and love the Lord Jesus, who walk with him, he will never let the righteous fall. There's a lovely verse at the end of Jude, and it says this, it says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through the Lord Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. When we cast our burden on the Lord, his promise is, that he will sustain us, he will fortify us, he will strengthen us today, tomorrow, the next day, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We think, oh, it's a week I've experienced God's grace. And the next week, and the next week, and the next year, and the next decade, until we meet him in glory. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you and me.